Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio Show. I am Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Dweeney. A lot of things we're going to tackle this hour, including window condensation. During this time of the year, a lot of people are are having a lot of trouble with window sweating on the inside. Even brand new houses will give you a few things that you need to look at to reduce or eliminate that aggravating sweating that a window can do. Also, cross space ventilation. There's a lot of myths out there. We want to bust a few of the myths about cross space ventilation. Also, um, garage door maintenance. You know, that's a big, important part of your home. And more and more with the styles of homes, that garage door is visible from the front of the house. But uh, you really have to do a little bit of maintenance on it. If you do some maintenance on it, a little bit of lubrication, a little bit of adjustment, that thing will last forever and it'll operate a lot quieter. We're going to give you some things to think about along those lines. All kinds of emails, a lot of other information to share with you, and I know Joe has a simple solution for us in a little bit. Joe, what can we expect? Well, Danny, this time of year, a lot of people, including myself, are painting the interior of our homes because the weather's not so great outside. So I thought I'd share a couple of paintbrush cleaning and storage tips so that when you reach for that paintbrush next time, it's ready to go. All right, that sounds good. Those painting tips are always fun to hear and always very, very popular. Hey, we want to hear from you. If you'd like to send us an email, go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Or if you'd like to pick up the phone and call us on the hotline, you can do so 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 800 946 4420. Let's jump on the hotline right now and see if we can take care of a few of the calls that we received this week. I have a, a tray ceiling, and at each corner of the tray that goes up, there are cracks. And I've had a guy come in and he said, Oh, that's just separation of the tape. And uh, I'm wondering. Because it is very symmetrical. I mean, it is at each little spot. It's the same spot. Is he right? And how hard is that to fix? Well, um, most likely if you are seeing a crack, it is um, either the tape is has split because of expansion and contraction or the tape is starting to turn loose. Either way, uh, it's a big problem with tray ceilings. Uh, and, and I'll have to, you know, just from an opinion standpoint, I feel like many of the framers are just not doing their job by doing a little extra nailing, or I would even rather screw these framing members together where this tray ceiling these corners come together. In my new house that I built about two and a half, three years ago, I did that in all of my bump up ceilings. I don't have one single crack three years later. I think that's what I would suggest that you try to do is to get someone with some large deck screws. We're talking about three, three and a half inch screws. Get in the attic, pull the insulation back where this problem's occurring. Take your time and put three or four different um, screws in that framing material to really stabilize it. Because what's happening is that, you know, it gets cold in the attic, gets hot in the attic, and that wood's constantly moving. You can keep it from transferring through 
to the tape if you secure it well like that. And then you around on the other side um, where, where the crack is forming. I also recommend screwing with drywall screws on each side of the crack and then do the repairs. Hopefully that'll prevent it from coming back. Let's go back to the hotline for another call. I have a mole problem in the front yard. I'm wanting to know which way is the best way to get rid of a mole problem. Joe, we're, we're, we're talking moles, not voles. I, I moles, didn't even know not voles. Yeah. I didn't know there was such a thing until a couple of years ago. But And I've heard so many different things on right. how to get rid of these little pests. Uh, what have you found that kind of rises to the top in terms of the best suggestion for him? Well, I'll tell you one suggestion we had gotten. Remember, we had talked about this in the past, and a listener called in and said his secret was to take juicy fruit gum out of the <laughs> out of remember this out of the wrapper and just slip a full stick of the gum into the tunnels. Wow! I'm not sure why that works. I would think the <laughs> moles would think, "Thank you, this is great." But anyway, um, before you start buying juicy fruit gum, moles are typically attracted to a yard because of grubs because they eat the grubs. And so if you have a grub problem, you know, you, you might have moles. If you get rid of the grubs, chances are the moles will leave because there'd be no reason for them to be there. So we want to treat it with an herbicide that will get rid of the, the grubs first. Um, and then, of course, the moles, the moles will go away. And Danny mentioned moles, not voles, which are similar animals. The vole is more mouse-like, and you might see up above ground. The moles are always underground. And the, the way to remember is voles start with a V, and they're vegetarian. So they, if you have voles, it wouldn't be the grubs. You may or may not have grubs, but they wouldn't be there because of the grubs. But moles do eat, um, they're meat eaters, so they do eat the grubs. So I would suggest getting rid of the grubs first, and then hopefully the moles will go away. This part of today's Homeowner Radio brought to you by <laughs> Juicy Fruit, the gum for the ages. The, the gum for the moles. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's go, let's go back to the hotline for one more call. My husband and I just purchased a brand new build, and we've lived here approximately 60 days. And what I've noticed since the weather has changed is that all of my windows in this home are condensating. And they're condensating so much, in fact, that the windowsills are completely soaked and running out of the sill down the wall. So my question is, first of all, what's wrong? And secondly, um, is there a solution to correct this problem? Well, well, it's certainly a valid concern, and I and yeah. I hate to, I hate to hear anytime someone's having a frustrating problem with any any house, but particularly a new one, because psychologically, you think I get a new house, I don't have to worry about listening to old Danny and Joe on the weekends. <laughs> I, I I've got it, I'm good to go. But as we know, with new cars or anything, it does require a little maintenance and occasionally a bump in the road like this, and it gets really back to I guess you would almost say science. You know, when you're talking about condensation form because you have cold air outside meeting a surface that is warmer than that and it creates moisture and in this case it condensates and runs down inside the window itself. Now several things first of all you want to make sure that you're minimizing any air from the outside getting uh, to you know infiltrate around the windows so making sure that those areas are caulked really well and that might be some of the trim around the windows that might be the window right around 
around the window frame itself, that's important to minimize that air infiltration. But bottom line is, um, Joe, we got to get that humidity down. And her right. talking about, oh, wait a minute, it's a new house. Why do I need to use a dehumidifier? You're exactly right. Your air conditioning heating system should be pulling that moisture out of your house so that you have a relative humidity below 50 to 40 percent, your windows probably will not have any problem uh, with condensation if you do that. So that's probably, um, depending on how old the house is, uh, yeah. I would really challenge uh, the builder to make sure that the air conditioned heating contractor has the proper size unit and it's working properly in the house. I think that's the bottom line. It is, and it's too much moisture in the house, and you have to ventilate it out. You have to say it all the time. Danny just mentioned it, you know, earlier today about running the fans for the for the range, making sure it's venting to the outside. If it's just a recirculating fan over your stove, it's not doing anything. So you want to make sure it vents to the outside. Bathroom vent fans, same thing. And she sounded surprised that she has a brand new home. It's, they've only been there, you know, a few months. Why is this a problem? Well, this condensation problem is more acute in new homes because they're built so tightly, they're not breathing at all. And breathing you know, you don't want all your heat or air conditioning going to the outside because you have poor quality windows and doors. But because it's so tightly built, all, it's trapping all that moisture just from people breathing in and out, you're creating moisture. So I think ventilation, increasing the ventilation is the key to getting rid of this problem. Good, good. Well, that and that's one of the things, you know, um, you, you think that the air conditioning is working properly or heater's working properly. Um, again, I don't know how many times I talk about a hygrometer, but it, yeah. it it's just a simple digital device that tells you what the relative humidity percentage is in your house. And you can move it around to different areas of your home to see if it's the same all over or you may have one area that's a problem. So I would suggest that it's only 8 to $10 and that'll take away all the guesswork as to whether or not there's excessive uh, humidity in your home. Uh, when we come back, we want to talk about crawl space ventilation. Eh, I know it sounds a little boring, but boy, is it important. And there's a lot of misconceptions about it. We're going to kind of bust a few myths when we come back here on today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Joe and I are so happy to be on today's Homeowner Radio each and every week with you on over 350 stations across this great country, including this one in Rutland, Vermont, WSYBAM 1380. So happy to be on, so happy to be able to help you with any kind of challenge that you might have. And we want to tell you how you can reach out to us. We make it as easy and as simple as possible. One way, Pick up the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and call the Today's Homeowner Hotline, 800-946-4420, or you can send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We just have an um, email that came in from Fernando in Washington. He says, I live near the coast in Washington State where we get some really strong winds, and my home has vents on the foundation, probably about eight or so. My question is, can I block off a few of them to have my home hold its heat a little better? I know they're there to help uh, reduce vapor. I think he means moisture um, or something. Um you know, this is one, well, this is a classic example, uh, Joe, when you 
get online and you say, okay, I want to answer this simple question. And right. you yeah, it seems put simple, that right? in, you Google it, and you get about, um, you know, 65 different opinions, you know, on it. And what I have found over the years and what I have uh, determined by looking at uh, the experts, never close your foundation vents. You think about it being, you know, cold, cold, cold outside in this situation, uh, a lot of wind blowing that cold, potentially moist air under the house, doesn't right. matter. It will, unless you have an encapsulated system with a dehumidifier built in to that to remove the moisture, then you need that ventilation all the way around the house. And it surprises a lot of people to know that you need one square foot of ventilation for every 150 square foot of living space. So if you're if you're dealing with a 1500 square foot footprint of a home, then you need 10 square feet of vents and most houses do not have enough or they don't have the the cross ventilation in it but um it is recommended that they stay open um all the time that's a question that we've gotten quite a bit joe yeah absolutely and and it makes sense the vents are there for a reason and not they're not there so you could close them but what we don't know is and Fernando should certainly check is make sure there's insulation underside of the floor mm-hmm. that the ground or whatever the floor is, if it's just dirt, then obviously you want to cover that with, with um, plastic. You don't want all that moisture rising up. And if you do have insulation on the underside of the floor, make sure it's not covered with plastic or something like that. But yeah, you need to make sure those vents are open. And he said he has what, eight of them or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea if that's enough because we don't know how big his house is, but using your formula, he could find out. And if necessary, maybe add more ventilation because you do want the air blowing through there. Um, but if the house is well insulated. It shouldn't be making his house any colder than it ordinarily would. With the and Having the vents closed even is not going to warm up that space any exactly no i mean i i don't um i I just strongly believe and all of the experts say uh leave them open but but joe you mentioned something there that we always need to remind people if you're living okay listen to this now if you're living in a house and it is up on piers and you have crawl space and you have dirt under there if you don't have plastic on it you're really jeopardizing a lot of heating and cooling and a lot of other issues that allow that ground moisture no matter where you live in the country to migrate up into your house. Plastic is cheap, inexpensive, not fun to crawl around underneath there. And that's what uh, that's what sons are for. Send those, <laughs> send those kids under there. Or now and, grandsons uh, in your case. Yeah, grandsons. Here, why, why? <laughs> and so, that's all I get anymore. But, um, but, but it is very important to, to minimize the amount of uh, moisture that can migrate up there. Fernando, I hope that helps you, and I hope uh, you can stay warm during the rest of the winter. Let's go to our emails right now. would love to get one from you. You can do so by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This came in from Alvin in Louisiana. When using our clothes dryer, water from the rent cycle overflows the drain pipe. So I went to Home Depot and I got a two-inch rubber pipe connector with stainless steel hose clamps. I then clamped the connector to the washing machine drain hose and to the drain pipe. Now the rent cycle water bubbles up into the kitchen sink that's about 25 feet away. After the rent cycle ends, the water goes back down, but it leaves behind dirt in the sink. What do you think is the problem? Blockage. Blockage. In the <laughs> Absolutely drain. right. 
without a, without a doubt. And you might you might think, well, what could possibly be blocking something when you're talking about a washing machine? And and I'm sure when that um, the drainage comes out of a washing machine, there's bound to be a little bit of debris here and sure. there from yeah. that has made it made it through uh, any filtration and so forth. Uh, but whenever you have something like that that's not working, it could be on down the line a ways. It may be require a six foot snake, a plumber snake, or it might might require a thirty five foot one. But that's the key. There is blockage in there, and I would uh, I would get that taken care of. It's not going to get any better, wouldn't you think, Joe? Oh, absolutely. And Alvin says that you know it bubbles up into the sink and then it drains down. So it sounds like a partial clog which is better than a fully clogged pipe. And he's going to have to, and we don't know if this is a septic system or what, but he's going to have to get, you can try it himself. You can rent one of those motorized snakes. You can try it yourself, but it'd probably be better to have a plumber come out and clean out all those lines. And putting that hose clamp on there, they're called uh, no-hub couplings, those rubber. I mean, it seems like a good idea, right? You clamp that on there and the water won't come out. Well, the water's got to come out somewhere if you have a blockage. And that's why he's finding it in the sink down the line. All right, let's get another email in from Colorado. Lawrence says, I have a water heater that's about eight years old. One day I noticed that on the status light, it was flashing, quote, short flashes every four seconds. I noticed the light for a while, and it seems to only do it when the heater was in heating mode, meaning that it was heating up the water. Is this typical for a water heater, and do you think I need to replace the burner? Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I really enjoy your radio show. What do you think with, uh, I know, boy, we have had a lot of water water heater uh, questions over the years. Yeah. And what, what do you, what do you think about um, this one? Is, is there anything wrong here? What I'm guessing is that it could be a few different things, but I'm, I'm figuring that that LED sensor is flashing because it's sensing unusually high internal tank temperature. And so what causes that? It could be, you might have to replace the thermostat or a thermal coupler, which is part of the burner assembly. I'm not sure if this is a gas or electric heater, but if it's a gas heater, it could also be the gas control valve. Um, what I would recommend is that he call on the side of the unit will be a, um, a model number. Call the manufacturer and um, give them the model number because they won't be able to help you without that and explain what this is and because they'll be able to know um, what that sensor is flashing and also determine try to see how it's flashing. Sometimes if it flashes like four times and stops, then four times and stops as opposed to continuously blinking, you know, sometimes that will indicate what the problem is. But you have to have that model number with you again. Otherwise, they won't be able to help you. And that should be visible right on the um, side of it, on, on the plate. Uh, Joe, you know, one of the things, I think it was a simple solution a while back, but it's certainly something that I use a lot. Um, What's that? Since the eyes are getting a little more challenged these days. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but, and plus the print. Now, come on. They, they're printing things. Uh, yes. I guess they're having to require to put so much stuff on labels and everything that, you know, they, the, the font has gotten down to a negative font now, <laughs> you know, a negative yeah. number. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing. But anyway, taking a picture with your your phone of things oh, like right. that, yep. or I'm thinking of in this water heater that, that, that it, you know, it's gonna, probably going to be dark up there and, and, you know, maybe you have a flashlight and maybe you can't quite get lined up behind it or whatever to read it. Take a picture with your phone and then you're able to blow it up. I can't tell you how many times yep. I've done that or, you know, something that's down in a hole and you can't quite see what it is that you're working on and you take a picture of it. And so uh, a lot of uses that you can use with the phone. And I also see a lot of, um, uh, well, like roofers, I saw a roofer the other day that had these great pictures to be able right. to show the homeowners what was happening with their chimney. 
Oh, you yeah. Know? So Very smart. it's a yeah. great way to use it, a crawl space, you know, people where things that you just can't, you know, um, people want a little bit more of an illustration than a legal pad and a pencil trying to draw out what we're talking about here. So a yeah. lot of different ways you can, you can do that every, kind of thing. Every time I go to Home Depot, I pull out my phone. It seems almost every single time to take a picture of a label, whether it's on a paint can or whatever. Uh -huh. Cause I just, it's just the print. Like I said, it's too small. This way I can say, okay, this paint is indeed recommended for the job I have. That's right. Exactly. Hey, do you have a garage door at your house? Is it getting louder and louder? Might need a little maintenance and might even need a little repair or replacement of a couple of things. We're going to talk about that and help a homeowner out when we get back here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Hey, want to remind you how easy it is to sign up for our Today's Homeowner newsletter. All you need to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter and sign up today and you'll receive an email from us, uh, one per week, that'll tell you uh, a few of the things you need to consider around your house, all kind of links to some wonderful articles, simple solutions, a lot of things in that newsletter, and it's completely free. Again, todayshomeowner.com slash newsletter. Right now, we're going to try to help out Diane in North Carolina who wrote in, says, one of the rollers popped out of the track on my garage door. We got it back in, but we think it should be replaced. What should we replace it with? Plastic, steel, rubber, or with ball bearings, without ball bearings? You know, we just want to make sure it doesn't pop out again. Garage doors are uh, quite a um, piece of machinery there and quite a big element in your home and a lot of moving parts. And um, certain parts of it's pretty dangerous. You know, the area, the, the spring and the motor and things like that, you have to be very careful with. But when you're talking about something like this, Diane, you want to make sure those tracks are um, lined up like they should be. And you can do, you can watch that by turning the garage door on and watching it as it comes up to see if the margins between the door and the track remain the same, which they should. So could be a little bit of tightening or reinforcement of some of the tracks is the key thing there. Now, what to replace it with, I would replace it with exactly whatever you have from the same manufacturer. And then you want to make sure that you lubricate it and grease it up properly. Now, a lot of people will go out, first of all, white lithium grease is what she's recommended for garage doors. A lot of people will go out and just spray it everywhere, but Joe... That's not more is not better in this case. Uh, That's right. Uh, give it a little more details on the right way to get that garage door working smoothly, which makes it a lot quieter. Right. Well, what people often do, Danny, is they apply the grease or the oil to the tracks and the rollers. You never should apply any lubrication to the tracks because that could cause the rollers to pop out. You always want to grease the moving part, not the stationary fixed part. So only on the rollers, not on the tracks. Okay, well, why is it popping out? Well, it could be over lubrication and getting it all over the tracks, which might make the rollers pop out. It could be a bent or damaged track. So, you know, if it's misaligned or if it's loose, sometimes just through the vibration of going up and down, up and down, especially if you have a door, an automatic garage door opener, which most people do, all that vibration can loosen some bolts and maybe the tracks are wider than usually, they were originally and it's popping out. So you want to make sure that's um, the tracks are not loose. 
Um, and of course, if there's any kind of impact, if someone banged into the track accidentally with their car or with a lawnmower or something, you know, it might be out of whack a little bit. So I would just check all of those. I mean, I can't imagine why you'd ever have to replace any of those rollers, but if it's not rolling or if it looks damaged, then yeah, you would have to replace it. So that, those, are those are the things to look for. But again, only lubricate the moving parts. There you go. Hope that helps uh, you out, Diane, as well as everybody else that's uh uh, kind of been leaving that garage door along a little bit of a uh, lubrication on that in the proper place will make a big difference and it'll last a lot longer going right back to our emails you can send us one anytime today's homeowner.com slash ask michael wrote in and said i have a couple of places where drywall tape is lifting and creating a line at the top of the wall is there a way to fix this well, again, during this time of the year, particularly during the winter, you have a lot of expansion and contraction, and the little crack that you're seeing there right now might just completely disappear when warmer weather shows up. Um, so you might just want to be patient and let that go. But if you do want to go ahead and repair it, wherever that tape is loose, normally it's very hard to work with existing tape. You might try it by carefully lifting it back, applying a little bit of a clear glue or even a little bit of drywall compound behind it, push it back in. You might have to use your trowel a couple times to just really make sure that it's um, holding well and then let it dry and you're ready to possibly do a little caulking there if, the, if you still have visibility of the crack and then repainting it. But a lot of times it can turn into more depending on what caused that the tape to turn loose. A lot of times it's nothing more than they just didn't put enough a drywall compound on the wall um, originally, but if it's a result of a leak, a lot of times you'll have to take that tape off and replace it. But again, we have all the step-by-step -step that you need at todayshomeowner.com. Here's another one, Joe, from Jim in Ohio. Okay. My home has an old coal bin that I now use as a small workshop. Uh, the concrete walls have a few hairline cracks, and recently rainwater seeped through the cracks. And when it froze, some small pieces of concrete cracked off. Is there a paint that will fix this? And any advice would be helpful. Any any hairline crack in an area of, um, in a concrete wall like that, you kind of you know, kind of handle it the same way. You try right. to clean clean out that crack and, and fill it in. But what else would you recommend to Jim? Yeah, I mean, you can't just put paint over it at this no, point because uh, you have to make the repair. So you want to fill the cracks with a concrete repair. You know, you can get some hydraulic putty and force it into these larger holes where the small pieces of concrete have, have cracked off. Um, and once you get it all patched, then you could put on, we typically recommend a product like Dry Lock, um, you can apply that, and it's essentially a paint that you just roll, brush, and roll on. Probably you know, might want to get a couple of coats, especially since this is an old concrete wall. Who knows, you know, what the condition is um, other than these hairline cracks. But yeah, before you put on any paint, you definitely want to, you know, make the repairs. Now, in extreme cases, they do make an epoxy that you can pump into just with a caulking gun, pump it into these cracks. And, and that definitely worked. I had, I had to do that in our home when it was brand new home at the time and the wall cracked and water was seeping in. And that was, whatever, 25 years ago and I haven't had a drop of water in since. Hey, Joe, have you walked around the home centers and some of the home improvement stores and notice how some of the prices will take your breath away. Boy, I sure. hope that I hope that changes. But I mean it's just absolutely amazing. I saw a roll of tape the other day that was eleven dollars. Yeah, what's with tape? Why'd that get so expensive? Painter's tape? 
I mean, yeah. I never used it sparingly before. Now I'm second guessing every time I use it. I know it. I, I, know it. I had a great simple solution I came up with just the other day. I was going to put painter's tape. We have hot water baseboard heaters in our rooms, and I was painting a wall. And so I wanted to cover the the top of the heater. Usually I would put paint, painter's tape down. I said, forget that. I just took pieces of newspaper and I slipped it behind it and folded it over. Mm-hmm. Because newspaper is free, right? We get it in the mail. And then I painted the wall. I pulled the paper out. Then I used one strip of tape. And that's because, you know, a roll of like really good, the blue, what is that, 3M, it's like $10, $12 for a roll I of know. painter's tape. And I'm running out of room in my little uh, office safe. I mean, I have, uh, you know, all, all my tape stacked <laughs> tape. up in the safe. And I, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to get another safe, I guess. Those get kind of expensive, too. But I'm going to start buying drywall screws one at a time. They're so expensive. Like $12 oh, for a pound of drywall screws. Unbelievable. Well, hopefully things will start adjusting and this inflation will get under control and, you know, get it back to where it's very affordable to improve your home. Hey, we're going to take a short break. I'm Danny Lipford along with my buddy Joe Truini. And you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. Always glad to be with you each and every week and glad to be able to solve a few problems for people, or at least as much as we possibly can. A lot of times we don't have the answer, but we hope that we're able to point you in the right direction. And we want to hear from you. You can join us on the hotline at any time, 800 946 4420. That's what Barry in Minnesota did, or Bernie rather. Bernie, uh, welcome to the show, and how can we help you there? We live in a century old home. It's uh, what we call a four square uh, home. It has an attic, and there's a walk upstairs going to the attic. The insulation up there is pretty old, and if we were to blow in insulation, we'd lose all of the storage space. So instead, I decided to put insulation in the roof rafters, and I pretty much have that all done. But then in this colder weather, I noticed that uh, I have some uh, either condensation or moisture, a little bit of wetness uh, above the insulation and on the like the bottom of the roof board. And I, I don't think that that's normal, but I'd like to know what to, uh, if you have any solutions on uh, what to do about that. All right. Well, we can give you a couple of things to think about. First of all, Joe, you see this picture of this house? Beautiful. Man, that's a beautiful house. That just is, uh, I don't know, just something relaxing about the look of the house there. Uh, a beautiful place, Bernie. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Joe, what do you think on this? Do you think uh, the moisture uh, could be some type of condensation reaction, or do you think maybe we've got a little roof leak there? Yeah, I'm not sure we have a roof leak, but you're right, Bernie. Having wetness, as you call it, against, you know, coming down the wall behind you is never good, especially since you didn't have it before the insulation. So I suspect you might be, I don't know what the venting system is in this home and just putting stuffing insulation between the rafters would block any kind of uh, venting that might be going up to a ridge vent or from a soffit vent or whatever. Ordinarily, we recommend insulating the floor of the attic, not between the rafters. You're using this as storage, so you don't want to add insulation. But I assume there is some insulation on the floor of the attic. Is that correct, or is it covered with plywood? No, it's not covered with plywood. There is insulation um, in in the floor joists. Uh, okay. it, it's really old insulation. 
Right. And as far as your comment about ventilation, there are no uh, vents in the soffits. Okay. Uh, so basically, there is no uh, ventilation up in the attic. Well, then the only other thing I could suggest is that there was probably moisture. You, you, the attic floors sounds as if it's not fully insulated as well as it should be. Moisture has been passing up into this attic and not causing much of a problem because it wasn't an excessive amount of moisture. But then you put the insulation up, and now that moisture is getting trapped, and that's probably what you're seeing. So I'm not suggesting you have to take down this insulation, but um, that would be the solution if the problem is indeed excess moisture that, again, was just enough to not be an issue, but is now because it's getting trapped. Certainly having moisture trapped against the roof sheathing behind the insulation is not going to be good. So between mold and rot and everything else, you, you, you know, that that's not good. So I'm, I'm afraid you might have to take that insulation down. And I would suggest insulating the floor as well as you can. If you're going to be losing some storage space, you can build up the joists maybe and then put plywood or something down. I'm not sure. Danny might have some other suggestions, but I'm guessing that you're trapping moisture that was always present, but you're only noticing it now. Okay. Would it help to put a, a vent up in the attic in, in the roof? Well, it would help if there was a way for air to get into the attic and vent up and then get out, you know, just putting a vent in the attic, like let's say in the roof is not going to do anything. It's not yet because you need to have air flowing in and flowing out. So where's it flowing in from? Typically it would be from a soffit vent. Okay. These old homes didn't have vents and they almost didn't need them because they weren't very tightly built and air was just flowing in and out through the, you know, single pane windows and the ill-fitting doors and that kind of thing. So it wasn't really an issue, but now that you're buttoning it up, you have more efficient windows and doors and you're packing in insulation, suddenly that moisture has no place to go. A convenient way to add that um, ventilation around um, on an overhang, especially it looks like yours is not a real big overhang, is to use um, one of the three and a half inch round vents. And you can just drill a hole with a hole saw and that vent just pops in. It's uh, it's an aluminum, so you don't even have to paint it or anything. And putting that around the perimeter of the home and then putting a vent, maybe a, power, a thermostatically controlled power roof vent, will pull that air through and that'll eliminate any chance of moisture from gathering in that area. Okay. Understand. Okay. Well, good, Bernie. Best of luck on all of that. And uh, again, beautiful house and certainly well worth it. And uh, 107 years old, it's holding up pretty darn well. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Thank you for the advice. I really appreciate it. All right. Our pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's uh, one of those things. There's always so many little mysterious areas yes. in the home. Yeah. Uh, you know, crawl space we talked about earlier, attic ventilation, all of that. Very important. Hey, real quick, Joe, we got the simple solution coming up. What can we expect? You can expect some tips on cleaning and storing your paint brushes so that they'll be ready to go. First of all, they'll last a lot longer, but they'll be ready to apply paint next time you need to use them. This is a good one. You want to hear it, and you're listening to it here on today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. 
So glad to be with you each and every week. I'm Danny Lifford along with my buddy Joe Truini, and this is the time of the show where I turn it over to Joe for our Simple Solution segment. All right, Danny, one of the most important tips I can give for painting is buy the best quality paintbrush you can afford. Cheap paintbrushes do a lousy job of applying paint and and they don't last very long. So first buy good quality paintbrushes and they'll last for many, many years if you clean and store them correctly. So here are a couple of tips. First, immediately after using the paintbrush, rinse it thoroughly clean in warm water for latex paint or mineral mineral spirits for oil-based paint. And then use a brush comb. This is a very simple hand tool that many do-it-yourselfers might not know even exists. And it's simply, it's hard to explain what it is, but it's just a little wooden handle and it's got spikes coming out of it about the size of like small finishing nails. And they're pretty closely spaced together, maybe a quarter inch apart. But what you want to do is rake that comb through the paintbrush after you clean it. And what it does, is it straightens out all the bristles, it gets any tangles out. And then what you want to do is take the brush and just wrap it in like newspaper or paper towels and then lay it flat and let it dry. Once it's dry, then you can put it in the original holder that it came in or put fresh paper on it and hold it with a rubber band. But the other trick is when you put the rubber band on there, make sure it's on the metal ferrule, the metal band, because if you put the rubber band around it and it's on the bristles, it'll compress the bristles and of course Mm -hmm. they'll dry all wacky and out of shape. So that's how to keep those brushes clean uh, so they'll be ready next time you need them. And you know what? A lot of times I found that um, when you when you're wrapping up the job and you're finishing, you know, you want to pull your drop cloth up. You want to get your ladder out of the way. You want to put your tape away back in your tape safe and um, all, all the different. <laughs> so things. no one steals your tape. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but you know what? Leave that alone and go wash that brush right away. Immediately. I mean, the yep. soon as you can wash the brush, whether it's, um, you know, almost everything's latex now, but uh, is, is certainly going to um, make it easier for you to do. You'll do a more thorough job, and it definitely is well worth it. And uh, I see so many people with paintbrushes, and they'll, you know, they'll stand them up in a can of, uh, right. of water or whatever <laughs> and come back the next day. Boy, that that <laughs> that brush is really, yeah. yeah, that brush is ruined. So, uh, so good tips there, and uh, I always want to remind you that you can see um, over 550 simple solutions on today's homeowner.com slash simple solution. While you're there, find out where you can see the today's homeowner television show in your area. It's all over the country. You can see it in the, and the episode that you'll see this weekend is called a more inviting entrance. We had an entryway that was somewhat of an unorthodox looking home and um, needed a, a little bit of a curb appeal. And we accomplished that by taking care of the eyesores. The first one, the concrete. There were several different um, pores of concrete and a little uneven. Well, we cleaned it, ground it down, kind of used a pretty aggressive grinder there. Uh, and by the way, it was 100 degrees in this particular oh, wow. uh, project. So yeah, so um, it took a little bit, but uh, got it done. And then amazing stenciling on the slab made it look just like tile. You actually could reach down and almost touch it to realize that it was just concrete. Pretty amazing. We installed a water feature. We did a lot of other maintenance things around. And of course, paint, um, a fresh coat of 
paint on the front door can do just about, uh, you know, it can do so much for the look of your um, of your house. So got a lot of tips for you there that you can see and things that you can use around your home. Again, just go by to uh, todayshomeowner.com and find out where you can see it in your area. And I'll certainly remind you that you can watch them. Um, past episodes, almost 600 of them, on Vizio Smart TV on our uh, channel 516, LG Smart TV channel 476, as well as on demand and streaming on Exumo, Tubi, Freevee, Pluto, and Roku apps. And you can always go to todayshomeowner.com. We have all the episodes there as well. Well, that pretty much wraps up the show for this week. Always goes so fast, but we certainly try to put as much information in these shows as we possibly can to help you have the best-looking house on the block. Big thanks to my co-host, Joe Truini, and our great engineer producer, Corey Wilson. I'm Danny Lippert. Thanks so much for being with us here on the Today's Homeowner Radio Show.